0: Welcome everybody to another episode of The Nerd Continuity, where we talk about design, development, and all the other crazy sort of stuff that we find online. And oh boy, I found a crazy person online today, in the good sense of the term, of course. Uh, Joining me today for a special interview is the creator, the main developer, main maintainer, and probably we could say the father of elementary OS, Daniel Foray. Hello, Daniel. Hey, how's it going? Good, how are you? Doing good. How are you doing? Pretty good, pretty good. Pretty excited to have you here in Inner Continuity. Thank you so much for joining. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Oh yeah, it's a pleasure. So for um, probably like the few people in the Linux community that don't know who you are, and maybe everyone knows you in the Linux community and probably in all the sexy bars in Sacramento, but (laughs) can you introduce yourself a little bit and tell us who you are and what you do and why you're so cool?
1: yeah so uh, my name is daniel foray and i'm the founder of elementary and elementary is a a very small software company that makes the uh, open source linux-based desktop operating system called elementary os awesome
0: that's really tight and really on point (laughs) i have so many questions about elementary OS, but first like i'm gonna push it later because um I saw, I was snooping around, I was totally stalking on you and like trying to understand your background and all this kind of stuff. I, I saw on your YouTube channel, you have a lot of music videos of, like of you like singing and playing guitar and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. It was like always there. Did you, like you were first a musician and then a developer, you were both at the same time, like how did you become a developer and tell us a little bit about your learning process. Um i so i I did get into computers
1: pretty young. um I had an uncle that uh, was really into computers and and he showed me um how to do some stuff in like basic you know oh, wow. and and he was really into like um trying to write games and stuff and and so uh he was he had me like do some sprites and stuff for him and stuff, so he he like kind of be like, Hey, you know, I don't wanna do this, like do this stuff <laughs> and so it was kind of like you know that's how Child
0: I labor or that
1: yeah, yeah. So I kind of started messing around with that kind of stuff. And then um, I think like from there, the next like kind of big thing I did with computers was there was this game uh, Little Fighter Mm -hmm. and um, the way that it was set up, it was really easy to go in and edit Um, the the characters. The way they were built was like a script scripting language. So it was easy to go in and kind of edit the characters and you could edit the sprites. And so I was like making characters, you know, and that was kind of my next experience with like programming you know but um from then actually um i didn't do a whole lot with computers for a while um yeah i was playing music um and uh, i was in a couple different bands and um, played on stage a few times but never really you know got that far of course Um, but it wasn't until oh i think my junior or senior year of high school um that i uh, found out about linux um specifically uh Carora, which was like um one of the first like live cds that had Compiz on it wow yeah and so that was super cool that just like blew my mind because it was like you know the spinning
0: cube and the windows on fire and, yeah you know, exactly and- that was like the best yeah. i remember the video like on youtube comparing windows vista like the transitions yeah. of video against like the transitions of the desktop environment. It was like so lightning fast and amazing.
1: Yeah, so it was just, it was this really cool tech demo. And I think kind of the, it was kind of an interesting time too, I think as far as like what we could do with technology and especially compared to the mass market operating systems. And and it kind of like, it was this really cool to me, this feeling of potential, you know? I'm like wow like there's this thing out there and there's all these people that are making this
0: crazy stuff and like no one's ever even heard of it you know yeah, and indeed that's true and so yeah you transitioned kind of like naturally like you felt almost comfortable when you saw the first time like all these crazy environment linux and all this kind of stuff uh, how did you actually arrive to the super nuts and crazy decision of like i'm gonna build an operating system i'm gonna create a separate distro and just like maintain it completely like how like how much drugs you have to do in order to make that decision
1: (laughs) yeah so um i guess kind of the evolution there was um so i was running corora for a while Mm -hmm. and then um from there like i kind of found out about like how distros worked and like what that was. And you know, the idea of like that, Oh, well this is a Gentoo based distribution. I was like, well, what's Gentoo, you know? So I I went and I installed Gentoo on my machine to find out what that was about. And I think that, um, anybody who's ever thought about making a distro should go install Gentoo because like you have to, you have to do everything, you know, you have to choose everything. I never
0: used Gentoo. I'm like an Ubuntu type of guy always. I came from Ubuntu. Uh, I saw the other day the uh, live streaming of Brian Lunduk that he was showing how to install Gentoo. That's insane. Like I'm I'm impressed that in this day and age where everything is so fast and everything is just like click, install, click, done. Gentoo is still used. Probably, as you said, it's a learning process. So maybe it's good.
1: Yeah. So, you know, going through that, I think taught me a lot about like how a distro is actually put together and like what are the parts and pieces that you need to get like a usable distribution. Um, But we didn't really come back around the idea to do a distro until um, actually first we were were working on apps. Yeah. And so it started out with um, Nautilus, the file manager way back in the day from Gnome. And it was really ugly and it had like so many toolbars all over the place and it was really like, confusing and um you know it just wasn't like there were so many other cool sexy ideas and like things that were coming out and it was like well why don't we have like 3d cover flow or why don't we have you know like there were so many cool ideas from everybody else and then we had like this really ugly file manager so yeah. we were like okay well let's you know we we forked nautilus and um started doing all kinds of work on it and eventually got to the point where like, well, you know, like maintaining a fork sucks. Let's write our own file manager. Mm. So we kind of started over with that. Um, But we also picked up some different developers um, who like thought the idea was interesting. Of like, yeah, let's make really cool apps. Mm -hmm. And um, so then it kind of came to the point of, okay, let's make all these cool apps and like, oh, well we need to ship these apps somehow. And so we're like, well, we'll do a distro you know, and we'll ship all the apps together, Wow. you know, and then it was, um, you know, developing the applications and, uh, GNOME 3 came out and Unity came out and, um, we, we didn't really like either of them that much. Um, we were coming from GNOME 2 and kind of going, well, let's do a desktop environment. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. Pretty much like everything came and that's basically mostly like the, the, the base point or like the main reason why open source is so popular and famous because if you don't like something you can totally like let's build something on our own that it's gonna be yeah. like cool and free uh, it's gonna be awesome so what was the uh, original list of apps that then turned into elementary os
1: oh um okay so we had <laughs> um marlin which was the first name um of our file browser Yeah. And then we had, um, a dictionary app called Lingo,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which I think that got discontinued because of the, like the API got shut down or something like Great. that. <laughs> and then, um, there was a contacts manager called Dexter. Um, and let's see what else we were working on a mail client mm-hmm. called Postler, but then uh, Yorba came out with Geary and it was like way better. And. And we were like, okay, well, you know, we're just going to use Geary because it's already way better. And yeah. they wanted to work with us on the design, anyways. So, yeah, there was that one. um And I'm trying to remember if we started calendar Maya calendar way back then or mm-hmm. not. I know that for our first release, we didn't have a music player
0: because
1: mm-hmm. um, we didn't we didn't start one yet, and we didn't really like the other music players that much. And so. We were like, hey, we're just going to be crazy people and we're not going to ship a music player.
0: <laughs> yeah, you can install yeah. your own. You can be like Clementine or Totem or yeah. whatever other crappy apps you can install it your. Yeah, so it's fine. Yeah. So we just made that blog post. We're like, hey, we're going to do a music player
1: someday, but we
0: don't have one today. So we're just not going to ship one right now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it's always like, I like your philosophy that I'm not sure if you thought about it before shipping the first release ever, but the fact that you're not going to ship something if you don't feel like it's ready. Right. Yeah. 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 And, you know, I think that's a,
1: it could be a double edged sword, though, too, you know, because like you, you do have to ship, you yeah, know, exactly. But, um, yeah. Cause I think that when we worked on uh, Luna, which was our second release, I think we worked on it for like two and a half years or it was like a really long time mm. between that one and our previous release.
0: How do you maintain yourself motivated in this like massive time span uh, between releases and stuff like that, especially if you're like, you know that you cannot ship something because it's not complete and it's getting frustrated and months and months pass and probably the community is not that forgiving they keep asking like hey is this still on like is this a deprecated project or stuff like that yeah
1: yeah um it's definitely tough sometimes um because we we do being uh, based on the lts you know there is like a two-year gap between the lts's right yeah um, but I think, I think like this last cycle, we did a good job of making sure we pushed updates to all the applications, like on a monthly basis and keeping people informed. Like we made a point this year of like, Hey, we're going to blog about all the updates we push out mm-hmm. and make sure people know, because like you said, we got people going, Hey, like, you know, is anything happening or you guys yeah. doing anything? And, you know, and if they're not, if they're not using it and actively checking, like, how are they supposed to know that, you know, we're doing this or working on that or fix this or added this new feature. So, like, working on that communication has been really important.
0: Yeah, it's amazing. I, I really like how you do doing it, like, how you keep the entire community involved. And even if, uh, usually, like, when someone gets an update, it expects always, like, the massive overall UI changes and all the cool stuff and everything's new and shiny. But instead, like, it's important to keep them in the loop, even if you're shipping just, like, bug fixes or, like, small tweaks that make the entire experience better, even if they're not visible immediately for the end user. So it's great what you're doing and what you decided. I felt really involved in the process of like creating and improving elementary OS, even if I wasn't involved in just like developing anything, but I felt like really part of the community. So just kudos to you guys. A little bit of like tech, I'm a, I'm a software engineer as well. I come from like a web development part and I started like doing some software development thanks to elementary OS and thanks to the app center. So that was a, a, an amazing open door, like entry point for me to start learning all these things. But how did you decide on the stack for uh, your operating system, especially on VALA? How did you decide to adopt that scripting language instead of something else?
1: Yeah. So we went through like a few different things actually when we first started out and, um, the first couple apps that we did were actually Python. Um, but we kind of found that, um, it doesn't perform that great. Hmm. Um, you know, so we wanted something with better performance, um, and, uh, C sharp and Mono was a thing for a while. And, um, actually, um, the first like project that I really got involved with was uh Docky and Gnome do and they, those guys were using C sharp mm-hmm. and so um like that was a really good experience like the syntax of C sharp was like really nice and 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 so that was always kind of like something that we were thinking about. Um, you know, and and like G Object C is like not very nice at all um to write in. So I think that was like right out. Like nobody wants to write a C app. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Like um even dealing with like that was, I think that was probably a big motivation for um, deciding to do our own file browser instead of continuing to work on Nautilus is that digging through all the C code is a pain. And even um, the G object C that was in Midori that we shipped for a long time, that was also a big hurdle for people to contribute. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was some competing concerns about like, we want to make sure that it's low barrier of entry that uh, people will be able to read the code and understand it quickly and, you know, dive in and be able to contribute without having to spend like a massive amount of time learning the code base first. But we also wanted to keep performance in mind and make sure that um, we had something that was natively compiled yeah. and that wasn't gonna, you know, eat up a bunch of resources or, or just run slowly. So that's kind of how we arrived on Vala is, is it's very C-sharp-like, but it's also natively
0: compiled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. and I like. Thanks to Vala, I think a lot of developers that weren't confident in building softwares or building native applications because of the barrier of C, of C++ and all these, like even Python, even if it's an easier language than C, I feel there's still a barrier if you don't have a full background in software engineering. Instead with Vala, like personally, I come from like 10 plus years of PHP. So I I looked at Vala, the documentation is that, oh, I can recognize, I, I know how to write a class, I know how to write a method and some getters and setters. So it's it felt really familiar. And I think it's also one of the, the reason why people are getting involved in the App Center a lot. And uh, it's easier to jump on board. Like you spend one or two months and you already like get the gist of it instead of spending three years and trying to understand C++ and just like giving up yeah. <laughs> after three years. Um, yeah, no, I'm definitely glad that that's been your experience because that's,
1: that's exactly what we're aiming for is, you know, and, and especially, like you said, coming from the web, you know, a lot of people, um, are learning, um, they're coming up, doing more web applications and the hackathons and stuff at schools are all focused around web applications and, and coding
0: things in JavaScript
1: and yeah. stuff like that. So,
0: yeah, no, that's great. And I love also your approach of, like, you're completely like, I don't know, you're rejecting, all <laughs> <laughs> web-based application electron apps and all these javascript like memory hogging apps that you don't like like tell us a, li- a little bit of like the history of the app center and like why did you decide to, i already know why you decided to totally agree but tell us why did you decide to not accept uh, non-native applications
1: yeah i think that um well when we started out there were a couple of big concerns and one was just from um, a user experience point of view that we felt that um, applications, and we still feel the applications that are designed for the platform, are going to be easier for new users to understand, um, and they're going to be easier for expert users to be able to jump in and use to their full potential as well. So, um, you know, when you read like the human interface guidelines of various platforms, um, when you have applications that follow those guidelines, um, then uh, people that are familiar with that platform will be able to get the most out of the apps the quickest, I think. Mm-hmm. So there was that kind of philosophy of like, okay, um, native design is better than cross-platform design. Yes. Um, but then going beyond that, um, when we're, you know, when we started coding, you know, when we started out like we didn't have any code style guidelines. You know, we didn't really have any standardization. Um, We hadn't chosen like a flagship language or anything like that. And we were just kind of like, yeah, do whatever you want. And we found out that um, as a team doing that made it a lot harder for us to share code with each other, Mm -hmm. which kind of like negates a lot of the power of being open source. Like what's the point if we can't all learn and share from each other or collaborate on each other's projects? So um, by having like these standards and choosing like a one true development path, it made it a lot easier for us to have code that we can share and to learn from each other, collaborate with each other and also uh, documentation. Like it's so much easier to document like one path than to try to document every possible path. And I think too that, um, you know, and you can say if you agree with this or not, but I think that um, when we have one path that when people say, okay, how do I write an application for elementary OS? It's very clear how to do it. Yeah. Instead of like, you know, um, a couple of years ago when it was, you know, how do I write an ap- application for Ubuntu? The answer was kind of like, however you want, man. You know, and
0: <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it didn't answer the question really, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's amazing. That's, Um, I-, I feel like, I don't know, I have like this feeling of everything was so linear and I never felt anything like this in my entire career of like picking up a new scripting language or trying to ship something for a new platform or stuff like that. Uh, I always wanted to switch to Linux my entire life because as a developer Linux is like your home base like it's everything it's built on Linux and all the system that I use as a DevOps are built on Linux but you cannot use Linux on desktop because you're lacking all the basic software all the professional level software that other operating systems like Windows and Mac OS they offer so I always wanted to okay I'm gonna build the I don't know the the application that I miss I'm gonna build it for Linux so I can switch but the Barrier to entry that like building an application and shipping on a whatever, even like setting up an entire PPA for me that I'm not a software engineer, it's a fucking nightmare. <laughs> like, I, I, I still don't understand what the hell I have to do to make a PPA. It's just like yeah. so convoluted, and um, it feels like some documentation haven't been updated or hasn't been updated for like 10 plus years instead like with vala especially with you guys picking it up you're also maintaining vala as well even if you said in a previous interview that the uh, creators of vala they think it's like a uh, futures complete it doesn't need anything else it doesn't need it anymore. more it still needs some like maintenance and some uh, bug fixing and some other stuff like that so it's great that you offer all these tools that are creating a bridge between developers and the operating system. So it's fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) I'm
1: glad you're enjoying it.
0: Yeah, a lot, I'm having so much fun. (laughs) Okay, let's um, transition a little bit. We're going to go back to Elementary US, but I want to focus the entire interview on this because it's so exciting talking about Elementary US, (laughs) but (laughs) it's okay. So uh, the next question I want to ask you is that, was it a point in your life, recent life or like a previous life where you said to yourself or you realize okay this is what i want to do this is this is going to be my future this is going to be my full-time job or it came kind of naturally or you're still like i have no idea if this is the thing that i want to pursue or continue doing
1: um i think for me and i think for for some other people too that are kind of doing the same kind of stuff as it's, it's like a compulsion almost where you know it's like i can't not do it you know, it's like, oh, I'm thinking in the shower about it and I'm driving and thinking about it, you yeah. know, like any time away from my desk, I'm like, oh, well, I wonder if I could do this, you know, or like it's, um, you know, I can't help but do it. Yeah. And and I think that as long as that feeling is there, then that's what I want to do.
0: <laughs> that's an amazing
1: feeling. Yeah, I
0: feel the same way. And sometimes like. I don't know, if I have one small bug and it's like 1am and I have to go to sleep because I'm wasted <laughs> and I'm tired. I go to bed and I cannot sleep because I start thinking, how can I fix the bug? Yeah. And then I wake <laughs> up or I, I go out of bed at 3am and I start working again, fix the bug, and then I can sleep because after yep. that, I remove that little thing in the back of my head. Yeah, that's a great feeling. That's what powers like great minds, right? Or drives them insane. Probably one of the other. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Do you have other projects? Probably you don't have much free time because of like doing all these things. But do you have other projects that you're currently working on, even not directly related to Elementary OS or all the other apps that you're maintaining? Um,
1: not really. Um, you know, I'm trying to have a good work life balance. Um, actually, the last like a couple years ago. Um, I recorded like a little EP, um, and put it on soundcloud. Oh, sweet. And, and I've been telling myself like to set aside time to write and I want to, you know, do another one soon. Um, you know, cause I still love to do music, but, um, it's such a huge time commitment though, Yeah. you know?
0: It is, yes. I'm a yeah. failed musician myself, so... <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. I, I feel the, the struggle and I feel the pain. But uh, I will, if it's okay for you, I will put the link uh, to your SoundCloud EP in the yeah. description below sure. the, the podcast so everyone can listen to it. Um, have you ever thought about using your music to do like a presentation video for elementary US uh, or stuff like that? <laughs> Um, I think that there was some um video we did at some point where um i wrote the little background jingle Mm -hmm. (laughs) that's great (laughs) so you don't even have to spend like hours in finding the right music online or pay the rights for a shitty song like you can well i
1: for our last uh crowdfunding video we
0: definitely paid the rights on the song i think it was easier oh really oh damn (laughs) okay (laughs) next Mm -hmm. time that you need it like come to my website ritualmusic.com just a little plug I can yeah. give you a song for free. Um Okay. Yeah, I work in this startup where we make uh, royalty-free original music from like music producers. It's super cool Sweet. and it's music for advertisers. So, if you need something for the next rolling release, I can give you a song for free. It's just like
1: Awesome. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. that would be really cool. So, you
0: said that you're trying to maintain a good work-life balance. <laughs> How's it going so far? Is it like all over the place or how do you try to maintain or like to to keep up with a good life?
1: um it's it's definitely tough um when you're working from home especially um because you know it's it's easy to get in the trap of i wake up and then open my computer i'm at work now you know and and, pajamas yeah and then you know oh it's dark oh man oh when did i eat last how long has it been since i went outside (laughs) (laughs) so uh you know that's it's tough um so i I try trying to be more um, strict with myself about, like, you know, take a day off or go outside or just, you know, don't answer any email today or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, things like that, um, you know, and especially to try to, because um, like I said, it's easy, it's easy too, you know, when you like, you don't think about when you wake up and you have to get ready and you go to your job like then you're already ready yeah. and going anywhere else after that like is a really low like cost I guess yeah. but when when you're working from home and you haven't got ready all day like going outside is then it has this cost now so it's like even to socialize now you have to like oh I have to get ready now yes. you know because I, I didn't have to do that in order to go to work so there's also kind of like that thing of making sure that you get yourself ready mm-hmm. and you know and like saying okay this you know it'll, it'll be worth it to go outside
0: <laughs> yeah. <that one. laughs> it's worth it. Developers, it's worth it to go outside. Yeah. That should be like the <laughs> payoff of elementary s on the, on the homepage. <laughs> uh, do you have other hobbies other than music and you try like to, I don't know, unplug for a day or do you like to do something else to clear your mind when you have an issue or stuff like that?
1: Yeah. Uh, actually, I've got some buddies that uh, we go out and play disc golf. Um, I don't know if you've ever played
0: before. Disc golf? What is that? Yeah.
1: Okay, so um, it's kind of like, the idea is kind of like regular golf, um, but instead of holes, you have these baskets. Okay. And it's, it's um, think of a basket in like the way of like a basketball basket where it's got like the chains that hang down. Yeah. Um, and so, but these are positioned on a course of like 18 holes. And then you have, um, they're, they're not exactly like a regular Frisbee that you would throw. They're like heavier and thicker. Thinner and the lip is smaller and like it's it's different.
0: So it's a weapon then, basically if you yeah. hit someone in the head
1: It's just like oh, chop yeah, it, it would hurt really bad. Oh my god, but um, <laughs> But yeah, so you throw you know, you throw to these holes and the holes are you know 400, you know 300 to 500 feet I guess in that range depending on you know, what the course you're on and stuff like that you know uphills or whatever, but the disc is really interesting because um, unlike a golf ball that is, you know, you hit it and it's pretty straight, like the discs curve yeah. and they can curve a lot and you can roll them and, you know, all kinds of crazy stuff. Wow. So, yeah, so it's,
0: it's a lot of fun. Is that <laughs> like, it's a sport that you guys created or it's like a legit sport that you.
1: No, there's a, um, there's like a pro league and everything. Oh my Yeah. God. And they have, you know, tournaments and
0: sponsors and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's insane. Oh my God. Yeah. I never heard about it. That's amazing. Well, wow. yeah. That's a really good way of clearing your mind because if you're not careful, you could literally like get hurt by the disc. Right? <laughs> just, it seems like feels really dangerous, but yeah, good stuff, good <laughs> stuff. Uh, but yeah, it, it's it's interesting how pretty much every developer I talk to, like the first thing that they do to try to clear their mind is just do some sort of sport, whatever like activity outside. That's the best thing. Like, it's. Mm-hmm kind of rare to find a developer oh yes to clear my mind just i read or like i study other things because it's still a mental thing instead right it's good to completely detach and does it work like do you feel better do you feel regenerated you feel like more relaxed after a game of disc golf yeah
1: yeah absolutely and um you know i think especially um you know like i said you know working at home and stuff um even though I'm working with other people online, there's not the same social element. So mm. I think it's important to have hobbies, you know, like that, and and like you said, to go outside and spend time away from screens and and to take a walk or do something with your hands, mm. you know, something that you're not um, mentally engaging so much.
0: Yeah, that's great. That's great. So um, probably we, thanks to Elementary US, or it's still that's how I feel. Thanks to Elementary US and the App Center you gave you created this bridge between the developers community that always wanted to do something and the actual operating system, the actual Linux community in order to push applications and start doing something good and start, I don't know, pushing more the desktop Linux environment to be more accessible for non-technical users. That's pretty much everything that I feel like it's happening thanks to your work. Um, What would you like to say to all the developers that are still like kind of not sure that maybe they would like to do something like that, but they never did something like that. They have some, I don't know, few years or like even no background in actual software development. Like what suggestion would you like to give to them? Um, I mean, especially for people that have very little experience, I would say
1: um, to not be intimidated. Don't be afraid um or think that um only someone who's a genius can can write apps or things like that um you know anyone can do it. it it's like learning another language it's hard at first but you know you get better and the more you practice the more fluent you'll get mm-hmm. and um you know and especially for our platform that's a really i think a really interesting and exciting time for people to come in that um there is very little competition in a lot of places. Um, there's a lot of apps that just haven't been written yet and that uh, are very simple apps that, that you can come in and, and be the de facto app for our platform, even even with something that's not very complicated. Um, one of the other guys actually, um, I think it was yesterday, uh, he's working on an app to control uh, the Philips Hue light bulbs.
0: Oh, yeah. Felipe. You know? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, and that's something that's, it's not a super complicated app. It's very simple, but, um, you know, that's like a lot of people would find that really valuable yeah, and, exactly. uh, there's nothing else that does that yet. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of
0: opportunity. There's a lot of opportunity. Did you feel like when you started, do you feel sort of like friction or someone like was against what you were doing? Like, did you feel something that probably a new developer could feel if he tries to enter the open source community and try to contribute something and maybe it is not too skilled? Uh, I don't know if I'm trying to find some like similarities between the experience that a new developer could have with your experience in entering the world of open source and start contributing or also Creating something that maybe other distros and other maintainers don't agree with. Um. Uh, you know, I I think it, it was a very different time.
1: You know, when I got involved with stuff too. So I don't know um, how how much would still really apply. I think like um, like when when I started getting involved with open source software that um there there wasn't really very many people uh, from like the design community mm-hmm. or anything that, that it, had gotten involved at all. Um, and I guess that's still more rare, but I think it's a little bit more normal now, especially um, after um, Ubuntu had the design team and, and things like that, you know, and I think it's become more of a reality uh, for people to care about user experience design. Um, and sometimes, you know, like general, like gray beard type people that will give you pushback about, um, you know, that it seems that the, the feeling they have is that if you are designing an app, that means that you're going to make it dumb, um, you really? know, for, for stupid people only. And, you know, and I, that's not true, obviously, yeah. but uh, you know, some of that stuff you kind of got to ignore. Yeah. Um, but, but other than, other than that kind of stuff, um i can't
0: i don't know <laughs> you're trying like uh, i know that you're keeping the juicy things for yourself so i'm gonna ask you another <laughs> question But had ever happened to you because i i heard like w- before picking elementary OS, i've been like looking at elementary OS since the um, version 0.2 luna release right uh i always tried to like i always wanted to use it but then i was reading reviews and i heard a lot of I'm not sure like calling it backlash it's it's correct but I heard a lot of people like pushing back and saying no elementary is not uh is not good you shouldn't use it because many stupid reasons that don't apply and don't have any like real solid background and don't make sense do you still get those or because of the work that you did with Elementary US now it's it's more recognized as a proper project that you can trust and you guys are doing great work and it's not just the usual, oh, I'm gonna fork Ubuntu, I'm gonna make my own flavor, stuff like that. I
1: think it depends on where you go. <laughs> um Tell me everything. De- definitely still um, I see stuff on like our Linux on Reddit all the time. Yeah. Of uh, people are like, oh, you know, that's just a Ubuntu skin or whatever, you know, and and then you show them that um, we have like almost a hundred repositories in GitHub, you know, and they're like, look at all the code. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <a> too. <laughs> yeah. You know i guess that's the only thing you can really do um and and you know we're trying to work on um you know our communication to make sure people know like the different kinds of software that we write and you know what we've been up to and stuff like that and i think over time that that feeling will change mm-hmm. um one, one thing though that i think is really interesting is um that when when luna came out i felt like we had way more um positive reviews um, even though I think it was a way less polished and incomplete and more buggy product mm-hmm. with way less features, um, and and I wonder if that's a thing of like, um, you know, as more people start to use it for longer periods of time, then they kind of dig deeper into the corner cases and like find out you know mm-hmm. the stuff that they didn't see on first use kind of thing. Yeah, I guess I guess as far as like reviews go, mm-hmm. you know. I mean that's um that's something that we always work on is is trying to make sure that that we're resolving issues that people come across and things yeah. like that and and making sure you know on our messaging that we're we're letting people know that hey you know if you report the issues then we'll you know do our best to solve them as quickly as we can. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I feel like I hear you. Like I feel the same with Luna and compared to Loki or even like the development of Juno, that in my opinion is like the most exciting thing ever. Like I'm I can't wait to put my hands on Juno. It's like ah I can but I feel like the, the overall community is was more engaged in reviews and testing like Luna instead of like the, the currently available uh version of Elementary yes. I think like in my opinion, I think it's because Luna when came out was kind of like the new the super new things like mm-hmm. it wasn't really easy at that time to create a similar environment with gnome 3 like even just like uh, installing like the cairo dock or i don't know whatever like dash to dock extension like the extensions were super buggy like it wasn't it wasn't easy to recreate a desktop environment and then the fact that elementary os maintained the overall look and feel consistent throughout all the releases Users are they always want the new shiny thing and they want to yeah. get impressed, right? So, oh, elementary, yes, it's identical to Luna, like on the first <laughs> dialog. So, there's nothing new to, to check, instead, it's full of amazing new things. So, um, did you feel like I don't know, probably like tracking all the stats and the statistics is kind of like really time consuming, but did you feel like your user base grew in the past years or it was like higher when you released luna and then slowly like decreased with the new releases
1: no it's definitely it's definitely way bigger and um we can we can tell that from the uh amount of like engagement that we have on social media um or like the amount of activity we have in like stack exchange um and also uh things like um the amounts of downloads that we get average per month and the amount of payments that we're processing um and mm-hmm. also um the distribution of um which operating system people are downloading from i think up right now we're up to like 3 quarters a little over 3 quarters of people download from closed source operating systems
0: that's perfect <laughs> yeah
1: so so the i think all the numbers are like keep keep trending more towards um you know we're growing yeah. and we're we're becoming more and more attractive to people that aren't already running open source software that it's fantastic
0: yeah i, I love this it's so exciting i don't know I'm, <laughs> i feel like i'm more exciting than you are <laughs> like, like ah, i'm the, like the fanboy. There's like oh this is great but whatever <laughs> um what do you think it's fundamentally wrong with the linux or in general like the open source community these days if you have something (laughs) like if you could pick something i know there are like so many things that are wrong but if you could pick something that is really really wrong and we should all really change all together what do you think it would be um
1: i guess if i had to pick something then it would be um certain groups of people that think that everything should be the same Mm -hmm. um like um get upset about um you know the idea of different uh desktop environments or different groups of people or whatever trying to do their own thing and um you know trying to force like the homogenous ah you know everything should you know why don't we have one of these or you know and the usual
0: argument against fragmentation
1: right (laughs) right yes and and um you know some standardization is good yeah um like um you know this is probably the most like flame on example I can give of that, but like system D <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, somehow everybody decided that system D was the thing now yeah. and we all agreed on it. And now that's, you know, standardized it against like all the major distros. Yeah. Um, you know, we all agree on Linux, yeah. um, and things like that, but, um, you know, we don't all agree on uh toolkit, you know, some people like cute, some people like GTK. Yeah. We don't ag- all agree on desktop environment and we don't all agree on how we should design applications. And we don't all agree on how um, they should look or how we should express things like iconography. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that at the end of the day, like that's okay and it's good yeah. because not everybody is the same. And it's um, I think it's more empowering for people to have that kind of choice mm-hmm. of, um, you know, it's the same like when you're driving a car or when you pick out your clothes. Um, you know, you can pick something that fits you and thinks the way you think. And Mm -hmm. like, it's almost also like a way to express yourself and, um, you can work in an environment that you're comfortable with. Um, and I think that that's okay. And I don't think that, um, there's like a zero sum game of Linux distributions where there has to be one best one. Um, you know, I think everybody can kind of like find their own niche and find the people that think like they do and like having, A group of people that love what you're working on is i think more important than trying to
0: become like the one
1: master overlord market share thing you know
0: (laughs) become windows (laughs) yes right we don't want to become windows like that's not that's not the goal it's yeah i love this argument and i totally agree with you it's like it's the same argument over and over again pretty much with everything especially also in design or user experience and i remember my really old professor at the university about design, he told me like if one solution was the best solution and the only right solution, you could every every other solution would be unusable by the user. But the fact that there are like specific group of people that they feel comfortable with something different, it means that there's not the right answer and the wrong answer. Everything is like a flavor. Everything is like some people, they feel more comfortable with something and uh, a, a solution is better. It's more approachable for another group of people. So there's not black and white at all. And you cannot expect that everyone is on board on the same. Let's do all the same thing. It's just like, and I think it's also, I understand like the argument of the fragmentation and the, the, the like split of resources and stuff like that. But that's how you have innovation. If mm-hmm. many different people, they start injecting their own ideas and creating their own things then we're going to have a merging in the future somewhere it's going to happen and we saw what happened also with even if probably is not the right example with ubuntu and and gnome like the dropped unity because they wanted to do their own thing they considered it wasn't working and convergence or all the things they were doing with ubuntu phone and stuff like that they didn't I don't know. They didn't want to pursue that and they merged the GNOME desktop that it was uh, continuing on uh, like a different branch, like parallel to uh, Ubuntu. And now they're like both theme teams, they are working together on the same things, which is great. So uh, mm. all these things they can. I don't know, they can merge with each other in the future. It's not that you're doing a separate thing that is not compatible. And I also love the fact that you, uh, in that blog post that you wrote about the misconceptions of elementary OS, mm. that you, uh, you're challenging people. They're saying, uh, you're building things only for elementary OS that are not usable for other distros. And you gave examples and screenshots of, no, you can install the Pantheon desktop on Arch or whatever you want to install it. You can have the app center running whatever you want so it's it's great like do your own thing but be open and everyone can use it so you've been working with linux for many many years and probably you saw a lot of changes and a lot of like shifts in the community and where things are going and stuff like that do you have a sort of prediction for the future to come especially in the desktop environment of linux you feel like this thing is going to happen or something particular is going to happen and you're waiting or, uh, I don't know. Do you have some like prediction that you think will happen in the near future? Um, I guess some of the, some of the big questions coming up, um,
1: are around, um, new technologies and the things that they're going to enable us to do and, um, kind of the problems that they bring up. Um, so stuff like, I think, well, to kind of go back on this theme of the idea of fragmentation is is stuff like uh, Flatpak and Snap kind of promise uh, not only to be containers, which I think is actually the more interesting part, but a lot of people also view them as a way to have like a universal applications now. Yeah. But um, this is kind of like pushed back on the other side by Wayland which isn't actually a display server, but it's a protocol. Mm -hmm. Um, So we have different implementations of the Wayland protocol that have to have uh, APIs to do things like recording the screen. And um, so it's kind of like, you know, some of these things might make it up into the Wayland protocol, but... It might be a technical requirement in a lot of ways now for applications to actually really consider targeting a certain desktop environment and and so i think that there will be more tension um, between these two different ideas of um, having linux apps that run on every distribution versus having uh, applications that are built to run in a specific desktop environment Mm -hmm. Awesome. Um, it would be interesting to see these kind of camps, you know, fighting and, and trading ideas.
0: Yeah. And I know it's too early to say, but what do you think it's going to, who do you think is going to win? Like the, the standalone package challenge between like Snap, Flatpak and App Images. We, What do you think it's kind of like the easiest or like, I don't know, probably the one that could prevail against the others? I you know that's an interesting question because um so personally I think
1: that the um the universal package idea is the least interesting idea because to me you know we started from the idea that um native design is better than cross platform design so for us having like um these universal packages like we don't it doesn't matter to us because yeah. for us the application should be designed for the desktop environment anyway. Yeah. So packaging is like a red herring to us. <laughs> um, but on the other end of the spectrum, you have people that are distributing uh, Electron apps in AppImage, and yeah. to them, like that's the best part because they're like ultimately concerned with like cr- cross-platform as humanly possible. Yeah. Um, but I think that um, it will probably end up either between Flatpak or Snap uh, just because as it goes on, like the privacy and security benefits of containerized applications uh, I think will outweigh um, the importance of the cross platformness of the applications and, and there'll be some like big holdouts maybe, um, of, of like major ISVs that, that want to be more cross-platform as possible. But it seems like even stuff like, um, steam can be installed as a snap, um, you know, pretty portably it sounds like. So I I don't know, but I, I think, I don't, I don't think that, um, you know, I'll probably get in trouble for saying this, but I, I don't think that um, app image will win on a technical level uh-huh. compared to the packaging formats that are built around containerization first.
0: Huh, interesting. Okay, from a, like a personal point of view that um, as a developer that doesn't know anything about this and he's trying to build a snap image and an app image and a flat pack, Everything is terrible for now. (laughs) Everything is just like so god-awful that I cannot understand. Even if like when the build process like succeed and I have a snap or an app image and then I use it on another uh, distribution like on PopOS or Ubuntu or something and it doesn't work. It's just like it doesn't launch and I have all these weird errors that I didn't get during the building process. It's like, okay, the technology is not there yet, but probably like if... Personally, I think the one that offers the easiest uh, compiling or the easiest, the more accessible development tool for a developer to understand how the thing works and how to build it properly, it's going to be the successful one because so far everyone is like, oh, just write a YAML file and just like compile it. That's, that's it. And it doesn't offer like a proper log if something goes wrong or like it gives you like um. Positive <laughs> response and it actually doesn't work and you don't know yeah, the fuck
1: <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, I think um, one of the things because we went to the sprint um, in New York to to talk about um, snap packages and One of the things that I don't really like about the snap YAML right now is it kind of duplicates um, um Some of the metadata that's available in like the app data XML. Yeah, um, and, and it seems like even, um, the Debian packaging for us does that right now. So I think that like a future packaging format that just depends on AppStream um, would probably be, and I haven't looked into Flatpak enough. They might already do that, mm-hmm. but it seems like less duplication, you know, I don't want to have to update my change and description and whatever, like across multiple times across my project. Like that should just be in one file. Yeah,
0: exactly. You know? Totally agree. Right. Totally. But yeah,
1: like you said, smaller, easier. Um, you know, that's one of the reasons that we really started getting into like uh, Mason instead of CMake. Yeah. Is because the Mason build files are so much simpler and easy to read, and you can write them super fast. And
0: Yeah, exactly. Well, as far as you write an amazing documentation, like you did for the entry point, like to build the first uh, App Center app from scratch, like I never used CMake and by following your documentation was like so easy and I understood everything. So it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) If you have good documentation, you can have even like crappy over convoluted code because you can understand it. So that's, that's the thing also about these Containers and this package manager and stuff like that. The D- documentations is not great. I don't know yeah. why. Like they're written by developers that they worked on that thing, so they give a lot of stuff for granted. Uh, right. Instead, like if you never use a snap, uh, snapcraft, or you never actually build an app image, so okay, I can read the the YAML file, but if why I'm I'm writing those things at that exact location what are all these like keywords that are not the script and are not like explained in the documentation is like a lot of things are given for granted because everyone thinks that another developer with my same level of expertise will try to use this thing right and that's the the major like entry point issue that I have personally, like, because I'm not a smart person. So I need everyone (laughs) to give me like the spoon and just like, eat this. Okay. Now you have to click this and write this. (laughs) It should be like that.
1: that, That's how I felt too about like, um, so when I first started writing the documentation, um, that we have on our website, um, that was actually some of my first experience writing Vala apps. Like Mm -hmm. I had been completely design side up until about that point. And, um, I finally decided like, okay, you know, I kind of know how this works, but I should really, really know how this works and get into development. And so I wrote those doc, um, uh, that documentation from the perspective of not really understanding how things work and just kind of like writing down when I figured it out mm-hmm. and being like, okay, this is why this is, you know, for me, because I'm like that too. I, I don't want to just like copy and paste the thing and then not understand next time. Like I want to read it and understand why are we doing this? What does this mean? You know, what does this mean to me and how can I use this in my next application?
0: Yeah, that's true. That's amazing. That's, yeah, that's the basic curiosity. And I'm working with Felipe on like building the libgtk canvas for Akira and Spice up to have like all those um, uh, design thing, like the items based on clutter to, to move in a canvas and create objects and stuff like that. And he's amazing in writing these things that I'm trying to contribute in a sort of way, like with my crappy code. And every time he pushes back my PRs, but every time he explains with comments, like, you shouldn't write this because this is how you write it. And links the documentation like he's been great, like he's actually teaching me how to go those things. So it's like. That's what you need pretty much uh, when you're learning something, like understanding the why and not just copy pasting something. Right. And, oh, it works. But if I had to do it myself, I wouldn't know what to do. And that's right. That's not useful at all. Well, um, so we're almost at the end of the interview. It's been great. I'm going to have like a bunch of quick questions just to uh, cool down a little bit. But how do you see yourself in 10 years? Or <laughs> I don't know. 30, thirty. Ten years is made like the regular time span that someone can change drastically its life. I hate this question. <laughs> <laughs> okay, next um, question. <laughs> no,
1: I'll answer it. Um I guess uh I guess a disc golf pro champion. Yeah. No, <laughs> uh you know, I I guess um hopefully, you know have mold like debts paid. Um, you know, um Maybe married, uh, buy a house, you know, that kind of stuff would be nice. Like have have just kind of, you know, the life in order, mm-hmm. you know, comfortable and, and things like that, I think would be good. I'd be happy with
0: that. Nice. That's a really beautiful answer. Like usually everyone is like, <laughs> oh, I want to be successful. I want to be again, that is the successful. best. Of my- yeah, you are <laughs> successful. Exactly. you cannot. what can you, what do you want more? Come on, man. Huh? Just like think about <laughs> a family. eh? <Hey? laughs> Um this is a question that everyone fails, and I don't know why I keep asking everyone this fucking question, but everyone's like, no, oh, I don't want to an answer, but can you describe <laughs> yourself in three words?
1: Oh, uh, in three words. Yeah. Don't, oh don't. man. <laughs> yes. I didn't see this on the question sheet. Yes, it's there. Number 13. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's such a tough one. It's uh, tough. How do you describe yourself in three words? Yeah. Um,
0: Man, you're just gonna have dead air while I'm trying to figure out this question. Let's come back to it. Can we come back to it? Absolutely, absolutely, no worries. (laughs) Everyone does that and like, I don't know, I, I did probably 10 interviews just one person answer to these questions. I don't know why I keep it there. It's just to make-
1: He was thinking about it all the time or what? Like, I'm gonna have that one in my back pocket. Somebody's gonna ask me that question.
0: Yes, exactly. (laughs) Um, It's just to make people uncomfortable during the interviews. It's just, I I do all this, (laughs) so right at the end where you feel like so juicy and done, like, boom, three questions, like, fuck. Okay, Um, other than yourself and your EP, what artist or song would you like to recommend to the to the audience? Um, actually, uh, somebody
1: recommended me an artist recently that they released an album this year um, called Icarus the Owl, and that was pretty good. I like that. Um, it was kind of really interesting. Like a, it, it reminded me of a lot of music that was coming out and around, probably like. 2006 to 2008 Mm -hmm. it was kind of like um that era
0: of like rock like almost post hardcore kind of rock or whatever nice are you a rock metal guy or like more mellow pop uh edm like what type of music do you like
1: i I like all kinds of stuff i'm all over the place but um i think probably some of my favorite stuff is like the stuff that was popular when i was in high school pretty much (laughs) you know um where it's like um you know all the stuff from like fallout boy and panic at the disco and my chemical romance and like all that kind of stuff that came out and uh chiotos and you know nice
0: awesome yeah pretty pretty similar (laughs) oh wow uh sorry obs just gave me Minus percent of CPU unit usage. Wow. So that's fantastic. <laughs> I don't know what the fuck it means. But whatever. <laughs> um so it's pretty much the end of the interview. If you don't want to describe yourself in three words, we can we can stop it here and just like do you did you think about it? Do you know what are the three magic words?
1: Okay, three three magic words. Um
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love how everyone starts like looking around. It's like trying to find uh, the answer. Lamp, uh, <laughs> uh, bed, uh, pencil, yeah, exactly. That's there you the go. overall answer. I have to fucking remove this question from the, the um, list. Uh, whiskey, well, <laughs> whiskey. Oh, interesting, yeah, that could be, yeah, yeah, that's not a
1: bad one. Uh, yeah, I want three objects that are nearby. Um, I've got, um, well, a computer, obviously, yeah, that's a good one um we'll, we'll keep whiskey on there that's a good one nice um and then um
0: let's throw in a scented candle just to you know take candle. oh my god just to smooth okay. that out that sounds like a perfect evening like computer <laughs> whiskey and santa candles like that's the main developer dream, man. <laughs> uh, sexy and productive at the same time. That's that's amazing. Yeah, and, just and throw off some Bossa
1: Nova in the background. Yeah, exactly.
0: Awesome. <laughs> okay. Uh, so where people can find you online uh, if you want to like, plug your own personal social network other than the elementary US stuff? Yeah.
1: Uh, well, if you're looking for elementary, you can find us at uh, elementary.io. Um, And especially if you're interested in contributing, there's a link up there, uh, Get Involved, and it has all kinds of information about um, if you speak another language and want to help translate, or if you can help people answer questions like a support, um, or if you're a designer, developer or anything like there's tons of different ways people can get involved, even if they don't know how to program. Uh, And if you're looking for me personally. Um, you can check out, uh, my website's got links to all the little stuff I'm working on. And so it's just uh, daniel4a.com.
0: Yeah. Awesome. And I will be sure to put all the links in the description below these video podcasts, wherever I'm going to share it. So, uh, Well, thank you so much. That was delightful. You're a really great guy. And I had so much fun in talking with you. Thanks. I'm glad we got to talk. It was really fun. Awesome. Okay. Thank you so much again. And... Um, Let's be sure to check Elementor US and contribute to this amazing distro, guys. Okay, have a fantastic rest of the day. From a developer that hates plugins, here's a plugin that doesn't suck. Elementor is a live page builder for WordPress. It's amazing, it's open source, faster than the competition, easy to use, it doesn't require any coding for anyone to just build a beautiful page. I think I'm gonna say it, yes, I'm gonna say it. It's the best page builder for WordPress. I said it, it's totally free for you to use it, download it and install it on all the websites that you want and if you really, really like it, you should consider buying the Pro version that it's not expensive at all and it comes with a tons of new features. Click the link in the description below the video to learn more.